Carlton asked me to lead our discussion on how are we equipping mentors. Just excited to share information um, and hear what you guys are doing to equip mentors. I'm looking to receive just as much as I'm looking to give. When I initially thought about that question that Carlton had brought up, I guess ask the question myself, what does it look like to equip our mentors before they start mentoring, as well as what does ongoing training and resourcing our mentors look like? And so I wanted to even just open up and ask that question of you guys, what, what does the, that kind of onboarding process look like when you're equipping mentors before they've been paired with a kid and not just screening or safety processes that they would go through, but what, what does that process look like or what do you think has been helpful for that pre-service training for your mentors? And maybe I'll start with you, Peter, just because you were first on the call. Yeah, uh, there's a number of different things we, that we do, but we have a, uh, a basic four-hour orientation that's a general mentoring orientation that uh, goes through everything. So we were helping other programs do this, so we design it with them, but it's basically, you know, the, the uh, information about their ministry. Uh, and then we go through uh, understanding worldviews. It's, it's, it's uh, looking at uh, cultural competencies on a, on, a, on a basic level, just kind of introducing that into uh, talking about listening skills, empathy. Um, we talk about different skills of gaining trust. We focus a lot on building trust and how you do that. Um, we talk about family dynamics and how that affects the relationships. Uh, we talk about things that they can do together. Uh, we talk about different uh, issues with confidentiality and how to handle problems, you know, uh, abuse reporting and, and just different parameters and what their restrictions are. And then we also cover how to share their faith uh, within the context of whatever they're in. So if they're in a school, obviously it's limited, but we even just talk about that. Uh, and we have different uh, methods of doing that in different situations. So that's our core. And then there's some other ones that depending on whether you're in juvenile justice, um, whether you're, it, sometimes we do, it, some churches just do it within the church. We have a God-friending training that does that, that focuses on how do you help kids within the church um, and just different, we have different modules that you can put in for it. That's awesome. I love it. Do you, uh, I'm assuming there's a, a wide range of students that are participating in these programs. And so are there age specific trainings that you give before you pair a mentor together? It, it, well, the, the core training remains the same. And then the specifics come in depending on your target population. And so we have everything from young grade school, uh, you know, elementary school, uh, to we have programs working with uh, people in their 30s. Um, uh, we, I just, just got off the phone a little while ago with a guy here in Massachusetts, and his whole focus is on 18 uh, to about 35-year-olds. Uh, uh, he works with uh, young men who are 
uh, just lack direction, uh, you know, have lost kind of uh, hope for their future and doing an excellent job. But he takes, he sells, starts with that basic training and, and we just work, help him design the rest from there. That's great. Um, I have a question. Oh, sure. Sorry, this is Jill. I have a quick question. This four-hour training, when does this occur before or after all of the background check, et cetera? We, uh, we try to make it sure that it's done before any of the background check and screening takes place. And so the, the four-hour four orientation is a commitment before you fill out an application? Well, you, they, the, the application we fill out is, we recommend, is just getting information. Who are, how to con, how to do this, what should you go to, what we do with that. And the purpose is we just want to get them through the door. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and then there's kind of an informational phone meeting. We invite them to an orientation. Uh, but some people weed themselves out after the orientation. And so sure. it saves a lot of time. If you try to screen them beforehand, you're going to, uh, you know, you have people go that, that they're, they're all excited and then boom, or they, they decide during your, your, your screening, they don't want to do this. If they go to the orientation first, they usually make that decision. So the people you get in finally to where you're doing interviews and background checks are already committed in the process. Okay, thanks. I also have a question. <laughs> Yeah. So you mentioned specific modules, like, for example, kids that are involved in the juvenile system. Is this something that you guys developed or are you using training like, like we've gotten a lot of resources from like Mentor National, things like that. Um, where are those modules coming from? Uh, we've developed the modules and we often, okay. we will do it in conjunction with the program that we're working with. So uh, because the needs are different uh, on each program. Um, and, and, and often even the populations, even in, in, in a group as such as, uh, um, juvenile justice, or we work with a few programs that work with, uh, kids who are, or, are in, or have been trafficked. And so that all those things have to be really designed specifically. Uh, you know, it's that, that, that's basic policy. We, we developed them, but we used research. Uh, we looked at what the research is and we looked at um studies of successful programs and what they did and how they did those um in order to be able to um focus the ministries in the right direction in the training and development of it. all right thanks also alicia are you on the call all right <laughs> i think she's there um okay. i just wanted to introduce somebody else from my team uh she's a, a mentor of ours and she's a team leader now starting in the fall going to be overseeing some matches so yeah it's awesome glad y'all are here uh peter i have one more question um this is just even to do with when you have mentors going through that pre-service equipping process um are there any of those modules that that you would say this one uh, you experienced a lot of, of people just like their eyes are opening, uh, to the, the effects of mentoring or, um, are any of those more pronounced than the other ones that, that you feel are priorities? Yeah. The, 
that one section in there, what we call, it's our part two of the orientation where it's understanding the youth, where you're going through the worldview, listening and empathy. If people don't get that, and you can kind of tell by, because your training is interactive, they're, they're putting input back and forth. Um, if they don't get that, they can't be a mentor. Um, and, um, and so uh, just, I was down in Georgia helping a new program start and they were was teaching them how to train. They had some people there. And there was one guy uh, who uh, is an engineer and he just could not really get this idea of, of, of looking at the world differently than, than he looked at it, you know? And so, you know, we're, we all looked at each other and said, this guy cannot be a mentor. He can't really be, be in contact with kids or anything like that. That's the kind of thing that happens. And we've seen this, and I've seen this because over the decades, that those are the key things in, in moving them forward. The second thing would be understanding their, uh, how their faith plays into it. Is that are they if they're overly aggressive? Uh, you know, that's really. Not. I'd rather have someone who is really shy than have someone who's aggressive becoming a mentor. That's great. Because I mean, it sounds that th this four-hour orientation gives you opportunities for greater screening and understanding who these guys are. And that is probably at least fifty percent of the purpose of it. So you're right on target. Um, and we also, we know how best to match them afterwards because they do a lot of role plays and interactions through that so that we can see what they're doing and how, and, and, and how, what, how they'll fit in one way or another. That's really good. Any other questions for Peter? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's more questions for you, Peter, but. Uh, uh, that's fine. That's it. You asked a lot of them already. We're all just amazed. We're just sitting back in awe. <laughs> what was that? Have you ever? I said we're all just amazed. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever videotaped one of these, and could we see it? Um, we have an older one that was, it's it's about twelve, thirteen years old. Um. It's a disc. It's actually, uh, um, yeah. It you know we we don't really give it out. It's uh, it's on a, on a, on a DVD. But I could talk to you about it if if you would like. Anytime. It's great. Love it. We're, um, we're really putting a lot of it online now too. A lot of our training is online, but we will not do a mentor orientation online. You need to be able to see them face-to-face -to, -face to be able to do that but we we do show it to demonstrate to people we have it on uh, so that they can do it or some people take our sessions that are on uh the disc and they will show our session and then lead discussions afterwards it's great i love it and even just to summarize what peter said that they do a pre-service training that's roughly about four hours where they get everyone together and go through different modules, some of which are more important, understanding world worldview, listening skills, empathy. Uh, and he said that 50% of the purpose of that, of that is just to understand who these mentors are and if they are fit to become mentors themselves. So I love that. Um, 
I want to even just ask you. What did you say? You did a great job summarizing that. I, I found it better than I did. So uh, that was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Jill, how about, how about you? I'd like to hear um, what your process looks like for equipping mentors before they even connect with um, their mentee. Do you guys have anything that you guys do? Um, we do, but man, I, I think I can't really follow a four-hour orientation. Can anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> so sorry. I should have started with you, Jill, and not. We should end. I know. With, every call should end with Peter and not start with him. Right. right. Let me just give you one thing. We also have a version that's a 45 minute intro that's done in churches. So, like, if you're at one church and you have a lot of people that want to do it, want to know about it, we could do you do a quick kind of uh, you know summary to it. And that's, you know, what some people would call an orientation and what we do in four hours of training. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, good. Okay. So I'm sorry I missed. Go ahead. No, you're good. We've just been talking about pre-service training, how we're equipping mentors before they even get into a a paired mentor relationship. And so, um, Danae, you're next. Really what, I mean, is that a process that you guys have in place or, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on what you guys are doing over there? Sure. Well, again, we're the new people in the room, so I want to say that very humbly. Um, ours was very similar to what Gospel Village does. Um, we kind of tweaked it a little bit. So we do have a, what we call um, Discover Impact Mentoring. Totally stole that from Gospel Village. <laughs> Um, and it's like a non-committal overview. We kind of reel folks in saying it's non-committal, um, but it is the two-hour training that they go through, and we cover abuse prevention, um, all of those kind of things. Um, again, totally thanks to the wisdom of the folks at Gospel Village. Appreciate that. Um, and uh, so we do go through two hours then. After that, we have if people want to move forward, we have them fill out an application. Um, and then we set up the one-on-one interview. Of course, that's kind of, you know, as part of the, the vetting process. Um, and then right before the match, we do a one-on-one meeting um, where we, you know, tell them about the kid. I'm sure that's very standard. Uh, but I do try and I, I consider that one hour extra of training. Um, and I count that as training because we do provide them with resources. So, for example, if your child has an incarcerated parent. So I've been mostly using like mentor national resources and things like that. So I try and come prepared with resources of here ways to connect with a child that has an incarcerated parent. And um, if the kid's in the foster system, then we talk about here's how to mentor a kid in the foster system. So kind of just a one-on-one conversation, but we try and give them a lot of handouts that could go read at the end of that as well. I love that. It focuses on being intentional about the specific relationship that they're coming into so that they have expectations and an understanding of how to address the specific needs of the child rather than just just the overview. So that's really good. And I will say some folks clearly love that and are like, thank you so much. I feel less intimidated. I'm going to read all of this. I'm so glad we talked about this. And other people, clearly the conversation is wasting their time and the handouts going in the trash. So, you know, it depends on the person. But uh, Danae, have you seen any difference in the outcomes 
uh, between the people who really take it to heart and those who are like, uh, that's nice, please go away? It's just a personality difference. I don't want to say that the people who don't want to read a bunch of information are our worst mentors. Um, okay. I think more that they're maybe just the folks that two months later, as a convert or as an issue comes up, they're the people that you have a conversation with, as opposed mm-hmm. to they're pre-prepared for any scenario. Um, but I, I would say it's it's. Just because you don't want to read a lot of information doesn't make you necessarily a, a bad mentor. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. That's a great that's a lot of wisdom there, Jenny. So great. Well let's um let's even move forward in the conversation and talk about um ongoing training because I, I feel like that's a topic that us as mentor equippers, we are a resource to all of our mentors. <laughs> an ongoing resource, but then there's also kind of, I guess, the drip that we just are constantly dripping into our mentors. Maybe we're addressing specific issues that mentors are facing, or there are consistent conversations you have every year that that are just kind of a perennial, we're going to talk about this issue. I mean, I'd even love to hear from Carlton, bring you into the conversation what are your favorite things to drip into your mentors as you're equipping them? What are the things, the conversations that are consistently coming up as, as you equip mentors? And even I'd say on maybe your, your one-on-one basis where you maybe have a, a meeting um, with your mentors, that what are the things that consistently come up for you that you're constantly dripping into them? You know, I, I haven't done mentor coordinating in a while. But um, what, what, I, what I find mentors want to know, especially as they first get started, is how to have a, how to build a solid relationship with a mentee and how to do, do it with their family, especially if they are older and have not been with a child in a while or if they're younger and they don't have any kids of their own. This is a common thought of how do I build a solid relationship with this mentee and uh, <clears throat> we always talk about two things. One, the importance of that it's more than just building a relationship with a mentee. You also have to build a relationship with the family. In terms of the communication doesn't just go through the mentee. You have to have some kind of relationship with the family. Yeah. But then also uh, definitely being present while you're there. A lot of people like to be on their phones or uh, doing something else. Structure your time. Be all there. Be present. And really plan out your time with your mentee, you know, and, and, and ask specific questions. We try to get people to do a beginning of the year meeting, um, meaning at the beginning of the school year. Um, these are for people who've been mentoring for a while, so not their new relationships. If you've been mentoring for a year or two, what we always suggest is that you have a come to Jesus meeting at least once or twice a year. Uh, a lot of times there are frustrations that build up from having a relationship. The common one is I try to drop my kid off and their parents are not there. Or I try to pick my kid up and, 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 and the parent is nowhere near. The kid is not there. So what do I do? Um, and so the idea is teaching the mentor to be able to reconcile and, and, and do conflict resolution with the family where the mental coordinator doesn't have to get involved unless absolutely necessary. And so that's done through a, just an annual meeting. It's a, it's an organic meeting. 
hey, listen, school is about to start. I'd like to get together with you um, and Jonathan, your, your son. Just talk about how this relationship has been and how it could be even better this year. What are some things that you see going well that I could do more of? What are some things I can do differently? And then it gives the mentor a chance to share that same thing. Here's some things I think you do well in this relationship. Here's some things I think we need to work on. Love it. It's awesome. I, I love what you said about, in a way, delegating ownership of the relationship to the mentor and saying, if you're having a problem with the family or a frustration, don't just come to me and report it, like uh, enabling them to, to address those issues. And um, yeah, like not, not just taking on all of those problems and issues and trying to coddle the mentor, but give them ownership over it. It's really good. It's really good, man. I love it. Some of the stuff that we do, we, we always want to relate all of our equippings in some way back to an expectation that we have of the mentors. We try to make our expectations as simple as possible, just so our mentors understand that really what we're asking of them is simple, but it does require something from them. And so our, our requirements for our mentors are showing up, speaking truth, and loving God. And those point back to time commitments to the relationship, uh, content of that relationship, and then their own personal walk with God. And we really want to focus on how are we equipping our, our mentors just practically for making time for the relationship and how that relationship should go and how they're personally doing and just checking in. And so as the managers of these mentor relationships, we have so many different responsibilities, whether it's recruiting, screening, training, equipping, holding them accountable, communicating, administrating, event planning. There's just so many things. And, and we really have to simplify it down to how are my equippings helping them do their job and not just being something good to hear, but actually how can they apply it regularly? And so one of the things we ask our mentors to commit to is contact your mentee once a week. And so very practically, what does an equipping look like? How are we equipping our mentor to do that? And sometimes you just have to get very basic and detail the the why, the how, the what, the when, and actually make them commit to doing something. And so going back to what Carlton was saying of, of just really delegating ownership, if I'm able to get a mentor to make a commitment to contact their kid once a week, then I'm giving them an understanding of why we think that's important. Because really, if if we're not the inviters of relationship as mentors, this relationship might not go somewhere. Many people, at-risk kids, aren't necessarily the ones that are always looking for a mentor relationship. Yeah. They're, not, they're not thinking about it, and they don't have access to relationships. That's why we have these programs. We're seeking them out because we know what they need and we want to help them fulfill their potential. And so even just helping our, our mentors understand that most of our kids like need mentors, but they're not actively looking for it or pursuing it. Maybe their mom is, 
Um, but, but those things are really helpful for our mentors to understand. We are the ones engaging, entering in, and creating an environment to invite them into relationship. I have all of my mentors um, commit to this day, I'm contacting mom or I'm contacting the kid and I'm going to ask this question. Maybe it's how, what, what was your favorite thing about this week and why? And, and, and literally having a two minute conversation, but it's just a touch. It's a bid for relationship. That, that's something I want to do is just reinforce the expectations that I have of my mentors through the equippings that I give. And so even just a question for the group, how are you guys reinforcing your expectations through your equippings? Um, and so anyone wants to jump in, please unmute yourself. Well, I'll just say, I think it's a good question that I need to think about some more, but, um, you know, I think some of it is, uh, the nature of the questions could probably reinforce the expectations of, um, you know, what have you been doing? Are you following the rule of three? Um, you know, so a, the expectation that you are meeting with your mentee, B the expectation that you're doing it publicly, um, you know, just kind of the questions can kind of remind them of those expectations. And then, um, you know, what do you have planned coming up? So again, you need to be taking initiative planning and, um, you know, so a question I've asked quite a few mentors is what has the kid, what has the mentee been telling you that they want to do? And if they don't have an answer, then I usually encourage them. Have you been asking them what they want to do? Um, so just reminding them to include the student in that and, um, I ask mentors quite a bit. I, I feel self-conscious because one of my mentors is on the call. I don't know. <laughs> um, so maybe she has more insight, but I often ask mentors, especially if they're feeling maybe a little frustrated or something. I ask them, what is God teaching you through mentoring? What is God teaching you through this situation? Um, and I've even come out and told one guy, you know, if you can't come up with something that God's teaching you, you can only come up with the reasons that you're frustrated with the family. Maybe you need to spend a little more time with the Lord and ask him if he can humble you and ask him if he can help you. And, um, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, this is Jill. I don't know where this fits exactly, but I think um, as we have been sharing and talking, I just keep thinking about, the managers of the relationships to really love and care for the mentors and shepherd them because this is a really this is a hard ask that we um, are asking them asking the mentors to volunteer and give up their time to do and I think we always need to remind them about how so many people know about discipleship and so many people know about our ministry, but, but not many say yes to it. And we need to applaud them and thank them all the time. Every single time we encounter them, what a blessing they are to us and um, their family that they're interacting with and stuff so that they feel um, just super taken care of and loved. And I think that that really goes a long way. Um, and it's important. I believe that there's a real deep friendship with the people that we 
are managing because I don't know if y'all experienced this, but a lot of times our mentors, the enemy feeds them lies and they feel shame a lot of the time. They're not meeting up to the expectation they've set for themselves. They're not meeting up to the expectations we have, you know, things like that. And the the enemy beats them down. Um, And we, we, I really encourage our mentor coordinators to be friends with them because you're going to admit that you haven't been doing maybe what the ministry is asking you to do more readily if someone's your friend and you and they're met with grace and understanding more than hey this is like a social worker that's calling to check up on me and making sure all that all the expectations are met um because we god's entrusting these mentors to us to love and encourage and hold them accountable absolutely um but i think it's it's so much um, easier to hear a sweet, kind reminder from a friend, you know, like, okay, so, you know, so you haven't seen your men- mentee in a little while, like, what can we do moving forward? Like, that comes across so much sweeter if they know that, 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 that it's their friend that's asking them these questions all the time. It's really good, Jill. I love that. I think between Jill and Danae, you came up with a lot of great wisdom there um, on, on what to do. The thing I'd like to add is that you have to really look at uh, each person who is overseeing matches, coaching those matches. What are your gifts that you're bringing into this and how can you best use them to help the mentor? The number one issue with mentors nationally, this been shown a lot of different different studies and uh, is just they need to be encouraged mm. and just uh, kind of what Jill was talking about on that level but encouragement's the number one issue how do you do that um, and you and each of us will do it in different ways um, and we have to figure that out and, it, and it's not only just us it's what's that mentor needs because every mentor is different you know um, I, when I was working, this is a long time ago in New York, once a month, I had mentors over our house and we had basically uh, a small party, but where we discussed things and shared things for probably about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes together. Now, some of the mentors, they thrived on that. In other ones, I could never get them to show up. <laughs> There's no way they were going to come to that. Never in a million years. Uh, they just, but they were great mentors. You know, it's just that they had different needs, and and you had to fit according to those needs at that point. That's good. Thank you. It's really good. Yeah, I, I wrote down while Jill was talking. I wrote down two questions. What are you expecting that you haven't communicated? And what have your mentors been doing that you haven't encouraged them about? <laughs> those opportunities when you get all of your mentors in the room are a great spot to highlight and encourage the things that they're doing. And and not only just specific people, but actually everyone that's in the room, that the fact that you're in the room engaging and being a mentor speaks volumes about really their, their heart and their desire to change a kid's life and be a part of that transformation and, the longevity of a mentor relationship determines really its effectiveness and 
how successful it's going to be. And so encouragement is going to be the thing that keeps the mentors in the game. So it's just a really good point. And, and yeah, how are your gifts? Um, yeah. Determining how you're helping the mentors along. So that's really good. I love it, Peter. Okay. Well, I mean, just, just one other thought that I have on equipping mentors is, is probably more of an administrative look when you hear what Peter was talking about of all these modules people have, have walked through. I think something that we've recognized is that it's really important for us to understand what training each mentor has received, what conversations they've had, what the content. I think it's important to effectively track the things that you're speaking into your mentors. One of the things, Zach, our executive director, we, we would have this monthly mentor training where we'd have all of our mentors show up for early morning coffee and tacos. And we talk about specific topics that were on our heart. Two years later, we were like, what did we talk about last year? And what, what were the things that, that we unpacked? And it just kind of helps you understand, okay, what have we talked about? And what do we need to talk about? What have we missed? And if you have some tracking for the, the conversations that you've had, I think it really helps you understand, okay, where are the gaps in, in the conversation? What, what have we missed? What did we overlook this last year for the mentors that are currently coming in that, that could be helpful? And another thing is just getting feedback from your mentors, getting feedback from mom, getting feedback from the kids their yep. all of their experiences and, and seeing what are the the issues that a lot of people are experiencing so that you can reframe and rework your equippings to address those things and so both of those relate to tracking because you're you're seeking feedback and you're you're looking back at, at what you've already covered so what have you guys used to track what you're training and um, what are your feedback strategies what are those feedback loops that you've created Steve, could you could you just Stephen, could you just tell us what you're using to track? Do you have a tool for tracking? Right, right now we've been using Planning Center for our all of our mentors, and so when we recognize that a mentor has come to a training, we make a note within their profile of all the things that they're particularly learning and growing in, and so it's it's kind of a an annual checklist of we've had these conversations with this mentor but that that is something that we're implementing right now not something that has been going we have had very little information on paper other than google docs and emails that we've sent out that we're just trying to yeah. get get a running record of of really what of all our mentors experiencing and what conversations they're having so do you think that planning center that's a church kind of management system if i'm correct is is do you think that's the right tool at this point at your point assessment you're you're probably gonna have to give me a year to, <laughs> to know um but it's it's uh it's been good so far but um we'll we'll see where it goes it's yeah so i'm 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 sorry to interrupt you, and I just wanted to get your input. Let let someone else answer. So, I think that's good. I'd like to try Planning Center out, um, but whatever Jill wants to use, we'll, we'll use. Um, you know, um, at one point um, we had a uh, curriculum 
that we were using to kind of look at what it looked like. What do mentors need to know in the fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade? And we would just kind of go by that. So it's something that's given out. Jill, do we still have something like that? Yeah, we do. We give it out at the match. Right. So the idea is that there's a eight-year curriculum that we're using uh, to point people back to certain things that we think are critical for mentors to be discussing with their mentees, uh, for us to be discussing with the mentors. And so it's almost like, here's how to be a mentor for as long as you're going to mentor. I love that. You said it's an eight-year curriculum that just kind of walks a kid through grade school. Yeah. And I want to say at one point it was based on our um, priority outcomes, the things that we hope to see in the life of a kid. So what does that look like at the fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade level? Here's some practical things you can do around those things. Yeah. it's It says like, hey, these are topics you should be talking about. Hey, this is activities you can do. Hey, these are questions you can ask for each semester of each grade, fourth through 12th grade. And it's awesome because some, some new mentors love that, eat that up. And some mentors toss it out the window because they like to be organic. You know, so it just depends about how the mentor rolls. Um, but one thing, um, going back to, I don't know what question was asked, but thinking about you know, a lot of times when we do the training on the front end and do training one-on-one and stuff like that, that people are so excited about mentoring or they're sleeping and not really listening very good. <laughs> um, that's joking. Um, but uh, we have to talk about those really key principles again. Like they're not a one, one and done time type of thing. And so the first six months, of their mentoring journey, we are strategically dropping nuggets every month to remind them of the things we talked about at the beginning. Because sometimes it's not until they actually have a mentee and they're trying to put those things into practice that they're like, oh yeah, what did you say about that? I totally forgot. Um, and so we have noticed that that's, that's been a good thing to do that um, right when they're matched. That's good, Jill. And we kind of have to remind ourselves that we're eating and breathing this stuff every day and our, our mentors enjoy being reminded of the, the truths of what they're, they're committing to and called to and and mentoring and like bringing things up uh, 10 times a year is not uh, too much, too many times to talk about relationships, change lives and hitting, hitting those things again and again and again may seem repetitive to us, but it's actually what our mentors need is to be reminded. Absolutely. I agree. Because people get, uh, Andy, Andy Stanley talks about this idea of vision leakage uh, that people just sometimes forget because a lot of things are just on their mind and their place uh, and you just forget stuff. And so it's helpful to be reminded of the essentials, reminded of those things that are important because you just, life happens. And so I think that's good, Jill, really good. Can I, another, sorry, another little random tidbit. Whenever we send out surveys to mentors, asking them what they want to be better equipped about, they always, always, always talk about us wanting, wanting to be equipped more to talk to their mentee about Jesus over and over again, every year, it's always, they want to be more equipped to do that. And so I think what's really important for us as shepherds that are 
um, caring for the mentors that were asking them about their own relationship with Jesus, because it's easier to talk about him when you're more in love with him. And so we need to care for their spiritual health as well and helping equip them to talk about Jesus to a younger kid. There you have it. It's good, Jill. It's awesome. Um, we are just out of time, uh, but I've loved this conversation because I think it's just really helpful to, I mean, even just to use the word Jill used as shepherds of our mentors. It's important for us to continually come back to what is our strategy for equipping them to build effective and flourishing mentor relationships, or I think Carlton's word is a thriving mentor relationship. And whether it's the pre-service orientations that take four hours if you're Peter or to uh, just encouraging touches with each mentor um, just to equip them to understand that your expectations of them are, are really they're doing a great job and you believe in them and you trust them and you're in their corner. And so love what you guys are doing. Please, if you have any more questions, particularly for Peter, uh, reach out to him because he knows everything. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and that's not for sure. I, what I was going to encourage you is, I, Stephen, I see you're, you're recording this. And when you ever, whenever you guys do webinars or anything online that you're leading, record them and, and make them available to your mentors. Yeah, um, you know, make sure that they are are having access to any of your teachings that go. We, we have a we have a library of those things, and and so that mentors can go on and they're struggling about something. You talk about them and say, yeah, and watch this. And we try to keep them short, but tr- a short video on on, on this and, and do it. I know there's one ministry that does uh, all these five to eight minute videos just to to target people for it. Really good. I love it. I had another question, but if everybody needs to go, that's fine too. No, I want to ask Peter a question. When you get finished, you go first. Okay. I just was was curious as we were thinking on encouragement and what Jill was saying. um, I just was curious for the group. Most people have experience of being a mentor. Um, uh, and everybody's personality is different. So in the time that you were a mentor, if you were a mentor at some point, what was something that someone did that encouraged you, something very specific and tangible on your mentoring walk? And then if you haven't been a mentor, what's something that seemed to mean something to someone else? I know even as the <laughs> director of the mentoring organization, uh, there were times where I wasn't meeting my minimal obligation. <laughs> to- can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> so Jacob was my mentor coordinator, and he really helped me get back on track by saying, hey, listen, okay, tell me what the problem is. Okay, well, look, can we get you halfway there this month? Can You know, uh, you're, you're valuable. Here's a practical solution to how to get, get to where you're trying to get to. So we're asking you to get with him twice a month, face-to-face. How about you get him one time this month? And just make that a quality versus a quantity. Uh, and so that was pretty cool for me to have a tangible solution to help me get back on track. That was encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I for for me, I I think just getting a text message from the guy that's overseeing me, I I think was always just so encouraging that he's interested and 
interested in my relationship and how my mentor relationship is going. And that, that was always encouraging, which is a very basic thing. And probably in our situation, we feel like we're inconveniencing someone to ask them about how their relationship is going. But really it shows that we're interested in the health of, of them and the mentor relationship. So I think it's um, hearing from other people that are doing it right alongside you um, and hearing that sometimes they're sad and sometimes they're disappointed and, and they're not alone, I think is really helpful. Not just all these like crazy success stories, but to be like, Oh, here's a peer of mine that also has a little sixth grader, man, it's really rough and it's okay. Like, we'll be all right. We got this. You know, I think that's really encouraging to others. I think for me, especially when I was young, (laughs) so this is before text messages, email. In fact, uh, I think a car phone cost $5,000 at the time. But if you uh, just hearing that's normal was really the thing that helped me that like, oh, I am not weird. I am not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not off the wall. So I see you guys doing this. That for me in my early years, I just needed people to say, yeah, that's what happens. I would be curious to hear from Alicia, who is one of my uh, <laughs> mentors. I would say hearing that it's normal, um, it's also normal for there to be struggles and other people struggle too are two very reassuring things to me as, as a mentor and, you know, that it'll get better and to celebrate the wins along the way. Yeah, that's really good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on the call. Uh, Danae, would you mind praying for us as we finish up? 